We've got a much-anticipated matchup on tap at Lumen Field on Sunday. The 6-1 Giants hosting the first-place Seahawks with a lot at stake, playoff implications galore. What do the Seahawks need to do to get the victory over the G-Men? Nick Lee, Dallas Cooper, and I are going to be breaking it all down in our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks. Joining me, we've got a trifecta of hosts for today's Blue Friday. My co-hosts, Nick Lee and Dallas Cooper. Glad to have both of them on board. And of course, the 12s out there. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We're closing in on Sunday's big-time clash between the Seahawks and Giants at Lumen Field. We're going to be diving into a game plan, keys to victory for the Seahawks this weekend, our X-Factors predictions, and much more. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. We held back going live. We were hoping we would get an injury report, a final injury report That has yet to happen, though. Maybe in this segment, we will have a new injury report drop. But to this point, Nick, no DK Metcalf likely to play in this game. I know the Seahawks right now are holding out hope. They've been mum. Uh, They've been as hush about it as they can. But with the patellar tendon injury, this feels like something not practicing all week probably would be wise to err on the side of caution, even with a really good Giants team coming to town. Yeah, it would. It's certainly something you don't want to make worse. And um, I don't know if he's got Wolverine's blood or anything like that. Hopefully, hopefully he does. And then, yes, uh, that, that should be okay. It shouldn't have no problem. But, um, yeah, obviously missing DK Metcalf would be huge. And uh, he's just been a big part of this offense for multiple years. And this being what I think is <clears throat> kind of a, a prove-it game where, you know, two teams with a, the surprise winning record, you know, both teams want to validate that, validate their season. And, and push doubters even further in the rearview mirror. And the Seahawks are going to be without one of their top athletes in the entire field, one of the best athletes in football. And DK Metcalf, we're assuming that's the case. Now, of course, like we said, you know, he's he's a different breed. He is, he's a, yeah, Wolverine's blood, an Avenger, wh- whatever it is. Um, so you don't count him out completely, but missing him would be enormous. We know Tyler Lockett isn't, isn't, uh, isn't quite 100% either. Um, so yeah, you definitely want to go into one of these games, um, with all your top dogs and, and the, the giants are, are actually have a pretty decent defense as well. So you really are, are starting the game behind the eight ball. If you're without Metcalf. Yeah. And you look at the other side of the ball, Dallas, I think that it's worth noting, you know, we're talking about athletes, Daryl Taylor's coming off two of his best games. And so is Puna Ford and neither one of them have practiced so far this week. We don't know if they practiced on Friday, but With this defense finally turning the corner and those two being unleashed with a more aggressive one-gapping defense, not having one or both of those players against this high-octane Giants offense that can run the football on anybody, that's a significant couple of losses for this defense. Absolutely. Daryl Taylor, he comes off of two of his best games. He really answered the bill after getting benched. And Pete Carroll, that was a move that Pete Carroll – said he really had to make and Daryl Taylor credit to him didn't put his head down he really answered the bell and he showed out in that more of a pass rushing specialist role and it's just important with Puna Ford 
as you said, more of a one-gapping technique, a lot more of bare fronts you're seeing. And Puna is going to be key to stop Saquon Barkley. As we know, this is an offense that is – they're not going to fool you with crazy stuff. They're going to run the football with Saquon and Daniel Jones, and that's what their game plan is. Puna's a key piece to that, and they need all their pieces on the interior defensive line to have any chance to stop Saquon. If there's an advantage going into this game, the Giants are pretty banged up too, particularly on the offensive line. And we'll find out as we go which players are going to actually suit up in this game for both teams. But in particular, Ben Bredesen, former Michigan offensive lineman, one of the starting guards for the Giants, looks like he has a good chance to be out this week. He has not practiced at all this week. And Evan Neal, their first-round draft pick, their tackle out of Alabama, who's been really good as a rookie at right tackle. This might be why the Daryl Taylor issue is kind of hovering over this team right now. Is You would love to have Daryl Taylor if the Giants are playing a second or even third string right tackle. Their backup right tackle has been listed as limited this week. So this is a really banged up offensive line. And that is really the bread and butter of this football team is running the football behind that offensive line. So, Nick, if, if they're missing those couple of guys and they're down to their third string right tackle – just like DK being out for the Seahawks, that's a huge disadvantage for the Giants with how they want to play the game. Yeah, the Giants rank 24th, uh, according to ESPN, in pass block win rate. And that is with that was back, you know, with a somewhat healthy offensive line. So you're without Evan Neal, and they're, they're really, you know, they have big hopes from him. And he did show out like, like a top pick would. Um, and being down, you know, it, it might help equalize things a little bit with uh, the Seahawks being up, uh, being down Puna Ford and, and Daryl Taylor, perhaps. But yeah, the, the Giants offensive line already had a few issues. And now with the, the health issues going on along the offensive line, certainly I think that I, I think the Seahawks defensive line might be a bit deeper than what the Giants can throw out there on, on the offensive line uh, with all these health issues. So that's definitely advantage Seahawks because, yeah, like I mentioned, 20, they're in the bottom third, bottom quarter of the NFL and pass block for win rate. Um, and their passing game is, is one of the worst in the NFL. So if they're already in those situations, even with the healthy line. Now you add, you know, Evan Neal out and, and a few guys, a few pieces around him out on the offensive line. That is definitely advantage Seahawks. And Dallas, one other thing that might be an advantage. Well, I don't know if it's an advantage because he wasn't going to play anyway, but one player that is not on the Giants injury list anymore because he's not on the roster, that's Kadarius Tony getting traded to the Kansas City Chiefs to join Patrick Mahomes and company, a first-round pick that ended up being an utter failure, but clearly a talented guy. And this is already a Giants team that's without Sterling Shepard for the rest of the year. I mean, they're banged up a receiver. Kenny Galladay's on the injury report hasn't practiced. I mean, they could be down to like their fourth, fifth, and sixth-string receivers in this football game, and that's already not a strength for them. Giants need some help from their depth at wide receiver. The Seahawks definitely have an advantage, though. Their corners are coming off of their best games. The past defenses looked a lot better than the beginning of the season. Yes. Tariq Woolen, he's coming into his own. Kobe Bryant, leading the NFL in forced fumbles. We had no idea to expect that. And he's coming playing absolutely amazing, starting in place of Justin Coleman. And this defense, in general, is going to have a lot of advantages with Wandale Robinson, I think, is now their number one target at wide receiver. He's played well, but he's not a name that you're really worried about when, in the grand scheme of things when stopping the Giants offense. It's obvious. Focus on Saquon. Their wide receivers are really banged up, and they don't really have much weapons out there. 
Yeah, we're going to talk keys to victory in a second. You have the perfect segue into this next segment because really the Giants offense is all about number 26 in the backfield. And why shouldn't it be a phenomenal talent that finally has a good coach and an offensive line in front of him so that he can get the job done. So we're going to be breaking that down and a bunch of other keys to victory for the Seahawks coming up next here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe home security. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back so you always know your home is safe. Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology available, including the ability to control my system from my phone, watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD, and use a variety of high-tech sensors for the best quality protection. And the best part, they've got 24-7 professional monitoring, and Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash lockdown NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash lockdown NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined by a duo of co-hosts today, Nick Lee. Dallas Cooper. We're going to be diving into a game plan coming up next, but as always, we greatly appreciate all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today is available on Odyssey, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, game plan time. Ladies and gentlemen, what do the Seahawks need to do to defeat the New York Giants this Sunday? The Giants coming in red hot, 6-1, and one, all their wins by one possession or less. So this has been a team that has lived and died by the close game, and they've been able to live most of these games. That's why they're right in the doorstep of the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East. It's clearly a team that's much improved. Nick, I'm going to swing it over to you to start this conversation. And since we got three hosts, We'll get three keys, one key from each person. Nick, let's start an offense for the Seahawks against the sixth-ranked scoring defense in the NFL the New York Giants have. What's something that you're looking for the Seahawks to do in this game to give themselves their best chance to succeed on offense and win this game? Well, just looking at some of the matchups as far as you know, team rankings and statistics and stuff, the one that popped out to me immediately um, that probably has Pete Carroll salivating as well is the Seahawks have the 10th best rush deep or rush offense, excuse me, in the NFL. And the Giants are actually 28th in run defense right now. And they, they, they allow, um, they're tied with the Chargers for, uh, with 5.7 yards of carry, which is one of the worst in the NFL. So they actually have a very porous run defense, which should, you know, that, that meme of the guy looking beyond the tree, rubbing his hands together. That is the run game for the Seahawks this, this week, Kenneth Walker, um, you know, and gets, get a few guys involved, but Kenneth Walker, I think is, is poised for another big game. And really, I think the last couple of weeks and, and leading to this, this is a chance for Ken Walker, not only to build a case for offensive rookie of the year, but maybe take a stranglehold on, uh, on that, on his candidacy there. Yeah. With Brees Hall being now out for the rest of the season, he was the front runner going into last week. And so it really feels like this is a two horse race without another, without there being a quarterback that's really emerged 
to take this rookie of the year. It really feels like it's Ken Walker the third and Damian Pierce of the Texans right now that are the two front runners out of the backfield. A great chance for him to really create some separation from the rest of the pack. Now, Dallas, you and I were talking before the show about this. For Ken Walker the third to have a big game and for Geno Smith, quite frankly, to have a big game, the offensive line they're going to have to really be able to play well. And there's one thing in particular this Giants defense does. They create chaos, and they do it by blitzing a lot. So really that puts a lot of pressure on Austin Blythe as the team's leader up front, the communicator, to be able to handle whatever the Giants are going to throw at them. The Giants are a team that use a lot of exotic blitzes, especially on their late-down packages. And that's going to be exactly my point stay out of third and long against the Giants. This is one of the best defenses on third downs. They are elite. It, on this offensive line, the communication between Austin Blythe and the rookie offensive tackles is going to need to be on point. They're going to need to make limited mistakes, and there's going to be a lot of help with the tight ends needing to play good too. The tight ends, everybody needs to get open quick. The Giants pass rush really can get to you. And on early downs, the Giants are actually susceptible. They're 31st ranked in EPA on dropbacks and on fifth or they're fifth on third downs. There's a big difference. Stay out of the third and long and keep the chains moving. And that's an interesting note because we're talking about the run game, how dominant the run game has been against this Giants defense. And yet early downs the best way maybe to get them on their heels is throwing the football on first and second down and then setting up the run on second and third and short situations and then taking advantage of that run defense. And so that's certainly something to keep an eye on. I'm going to build off of your key here and go back to the man under center, Geno Smith, another revenge game of sorts. He downplayed that yesterday, but let's be honest. This is a team that he had a chance maybe to become their future starter, and they didn't show much interest in doing that. So he, of course, is going to look at this as a revenge game, just like the Chargers game. And with how much the Giants like to blitz 100 times so far this year, only the Arizona Cardinals have done it more. We saw the issues the Seahawks had a couple weeks ago protecting Geno Smith, particularly against twist games, stunts. The Giants don't do that quite as much, but they love to bring five, six defenders Frequently, there was a play that I saw on one of their games where they had three guys stacked over the strong side A gap, and you're looking and thinking, well, that's going to be an easy play to work against. But the offensive line didn't know what to do with it because it was such a weird formation. So that's kind of stuff that the Giants are going to be doing. They're going to be moving guys all over the place. They're going to run a lot of exotic blitzes. And so for Geno Smith, you have got to be ready to hit your hot read. And that was something that Russell Wilson did not do when the Giants played them two years ago, their defense still functions much the same as they did in 2020. That was a blitz-heavy unit as well. And Russell Wilson had times he could have just dished off to the tight end or a quick route to a receiver, and he didn't hit his hot read. And then he got pulverized in the backfield by Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, the two studs up front. You want to take those guys out of the game and eliminate the effectiveness of the blitz, Get the ball out of your hands. Be ready to hit the hot read. And so I think that's going to be critical for the Seahawks in offense, particularly on early downs with the Giants being susceptible. Their corners still being something that I think is a question mark. You can take advantage of that if you can get the football out of your hands and negate some of the success they've had blitzing. Now let's flip the script over to the defensive side of the football. The Giants are not a high-powered offense necessarily, but Nick, they've got a dynamic running game 
and it's led by number 26, Ken Walker III's idol, which is weird saying that because Saquon Barkley's only been in the league a few years, but Ken Walker III being a rookie, that was his favorite back to watch growing up, and he's going to get a chance to face off against him. The Seahawks defense certainly going to be tested there. His idol, Saquon's only 25 years old, but he's been in the league for so long. And um, really, this has been, and it feels weird saying this too, but it's been vintage Saquon Barkley um, for most of this year. And the Giants are actually 3-0 and when uh, when Saquon Barkley reaches the century mark in rushing. So you can't let him take over the game because that does a few things. One, you know, it kind of builds a rhythm for the Giants. You know, it gets them exactly what they want to do with the game plan gets him ahead of the sticks, ahead of schedule, and doesn't make – Daniel Jones is, you know, not Patrick Mahomes, not Lamar Jackson. He's not, he's not going to really do a lot of – I mean, he, he can run a little bit, but he's not that guy that's going to elevate an entire team and, and put him on his back and, and and unless he has some pieces around him. Um, and he's not a guy that's going to solely beat you with his arm. So Saquon Barkley going crazy um, would be would spell doom, I think, because that kind of opens up a whole another can of worms for the Seahawks defense. And – um, and then also it keeps your own offense, keeps the Seahawks offense off the field and off rhythm. And the Seahawks really have been thriving when, when they find a rhythm and, and are able to get some stops on defense and flip that over to offensive momentum. So not letting Saquon Barkley go crazy. Um, and and then the lone loss the Giants had this year, he had 81 rushing yards. So it seems like keeping him. So, I mean, that's still pretty a decent game for, for your average running back. But for Saquon Barkley, that's been one of his lower totals. So not not letting him establish the run and, and not letting him get those big numbers, I think is keys one, two, and three, honestly. Yeah, that really is the Giants offense in a nutshell. It's built around Saquon Barkley, who I believe has the most receptions on the team as well. So it's similar to Austin Eckler last week for the Chargers. They involve him a lot in their passing game. Addition back over to Dallas here, we could talk Saquon Barkley all day, but one of the things that has really emerged for this Giants team this year that's helped them go six and one. Daniel Jones isn't lighting the world on fire as a passer, but he's not making the critical mistakes that he has done in the past. And most importantly, they're letting him do some magic with his legs, which makes stopping their run game that much more difficult. It adds another player into the fit. Having to worry about Daniel Jones is not something that any of us were kind of expecting a couple of years ago, thinking about his using his legs, but with this Brian Dable offense, they've completely transformed around using his legs as a complete threat. He, he, him and Saquon have absolutely dominated run defenses so far in the season. And there's no, it's not very complicated. They're just adding Daniel Jones as a threat. And now defenses are having to contain him. That adds one less player to worry about Saquon. That's a, that's a lot. Saquon, as, as you said, Ken Walker said that that is his idol. He's only 25. That should <laughs> let you know. That sh- that should let you know how good and dominant he is. That's insane. So the Seahawks are gonna need to worry about key in on Saquon while still finding a way to have maybe linebackers flowing over to worry about Daniel Jones potentially keeping on some of the runs. Yeah, the issue with Daniel Jones isn't just the design runs. More than 230 of his rushing yards this year have come on scrambles. And so that really goes, as you said, they've got to contain him. They've got to find a way to get their pass rush upfield, but also not let him sneak out of there because 
he's one of those guys that's really sneaky athletic. I think it was a couple of years ago he had an 80-yard run yep. against the Buccaneers, and he tripped up on the turf. The turf monster got him on that play. But uh, but he is a guy that is sneaky athletic that can really do a lot of damage. And most of his rushing yards this year have been on scrambles. They do mix in some design runs for him. So, as you said, a spy or having to contain the edge, maybe mixing those two things, they're going to have to key on him. And that's part of the reason Saquon Barkley has been so effective because teams have to account for his running ability. With that being said, we've talked about the run game for the first two keys. And so that really leads to the most important key. Force Daniel Jones and the Giants to beat you with their passing game. I don't think that this is overly complicated. This is not a Giants offense that has been able to do much throwing the football. Daniel Jones has six passing touchdowns the entire season. Three of them are two wide receivers. They don't have a single receiver with over 200 yards receiving. And his best threat has been rookie tight end Daniel Bellinger, who's now out with an orbital bone fracture. Ouch. It's just a painful injury. But that is a really painful loss for this Giants offense because Bellinger has been his go-to guy leads the receivers in touchdown catches this year. So not having him, not having Sterling Shepard, getting rid of Tony and some of the other injuries, Kenny Gallaudet, I mean, they already were not a great receiving core. So this has to be one of those classic games that you're Pete Carroll. You're saying, I'm selling out to stop the run, and I'm going to force Daniel Jones to beat me with his throwing arm, and I'm going to force Brian Dable to show, hey, have you made improvements in that area of his game? Because if you haven't, he is still a guy that will uncork some bad passes, and he will turn the football over. The run game has been so good they've been able to protect him. Can you get him out of that protective shell and force Brian Dable to be more aggressive with the passing game? If they can do that, the Seahawks can absolutely roll on defense, given the way the Giants have played and their lack of depth at the receiving positions. And so it really boils down to stop 26, stop 26, stop 26, and make sure that you account for Daniel Jones and his running ability too. Force him to beat you as a passer. And if he does that, you can tip your helmet to him. But that seems to me like a pretty straightforward game plan here. Maybe mix in some blitzes to get after him if you need to. But they've been so effective with their four-man rushes the last couple of weeks. I don't think they're going to do that. And the more defenders you have back, the more guys you have that can run at Daniel Jones when he tries to slip out of the pocket too. And so I'm going to be curious what Seattle does. But it seems to me like this is a pretty straightforward defensive game plan. Offense may be a bit more up in the air what they're going to do depending on the schemes that the Giants use against them in pass coverage. Coming up next, we're going to continue our Blue Friday preview looking at X-Factors, what Seattle must do to win, our Seahawks win if statements, and of course our predictions heading into this week eight matchup at Lumen Field. We'll get to those here in a moment. Now for a word from our sponsor, BetterHealth. Life can be full of challenges. Recently, our family has undergone significant strife with family members dealing with debilitating health issues, and it's been a struggle for me coping with it mentally. Life can be full of twists and turns, so it's important to show yourself through it all. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it here on Locked on Seahawks. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done, securely online, available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. And BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. 
You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me today, I've got two co-hosts for our Blue Friday episode, Nick Lee, Dallas Cooper. Glad to have both on board. And thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're in England, you are in Germany, United States, Antarctica, wherever you're at. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Let's get to our weekly X factors, what the Seahawks have to win, and, of course, predictions. In addition, over here to Nick first, offense or defense, who is the one player that you think is the X factor, the wild card going into this game for the Seahawks that needs to step up for them to win? I'm going to go by the def- by really the definition of X factor. Guy who's a bit under the radar, maybe you don't think about that, could make a big impact. And for me, that's Quentin Jefferson. And you know, he's, I just think he's starting to come into his own a little bit in this new system. Obviously, old friend, um, been with the, been with the team in over a few regimes uh, as far as defensively. And I think you know three sacks this year already. And he's, I think it was like twelve pressures or something like that. I was just looking at it, um, but he's he's made a pretty big impact. And I think this is one of those games, especially when you're trying to contain Saquon Barkley, and and, and kind of be stout, especially between the tackles, not letting him just run up and down the field, north and south. I know Saquon Barkley can also hurt you east, west, southwest, southeast, northwest, all directions, but certainly north and south. Um, Quentin Jefferson can definitely help in that in that regard in the interior line and also making life miserable for Daniel Jones. And he, he's got some athleticism, too, to where he can he can track him down. Daniel Jones is a pretty decent athlete in his own right, and you're going you're gonna to want to wrangle him down when you have a shot at him. When you win that pass rush block, um, you got, you got to get him down. And I think Quentin Jefferson is a guy that can make a decent impact um, against Saquon Barkley in some situations and also in Daniel Jones. So Nick is going with Quentin Jefferson, who's had two really good games since they let these guys go a little bit with aggressive one-gapping techniques along the defensive line. Dallas, you and I talked about this before the game, before the episode here. I just have a feeling there's a certain position group that you're going to be hammering home here for your X-Factors. Well, my X-Factor? I got, like Nick said, a little bit of an underappreciated person. I got Will Disley. Will Disley is going to be key for the Seahawks in both their run game and their pass game. He's the X factor that they need. They're going to have to take advantage of the Giants' weakness, which is the linebacking core. Tay Crowder and Jalen Smith are not covering. They're one of the worst cover linebackers in the league, and they've been susceptible. A lot of teams have been game planning to attack them specifically. And the Seahawks, luckily, have a group of tight ends that are really good, but especially I think Will Disley will have a major impact with both the run game and the pass game. Interesting take there as far as picking tight ends because Disley has been consistent this year, and it's been nice to see Geno Smith actually looking for him. It seemed like the last couple of years that the chemistry that Russell Wilson had at one point with Disley just kind of went out the window. So he's really having a fine season, and he's making that contract that some people were baffled about look like a pretty smart one for the Seahawks this offseason. I'm going to go into left field here with my selection for my X Factor, a player that This is assuming DK Metcalf's not going to play in this game. I think that it's uh, unlikely. Maybe he will suit up. But even if he does, they're going to need another big body receiver to step up. We've seen six rookies in this class make an impact. I think it's going to become seven this weekend. I think Dariq Young is the real wild card to watch in this game. And you look at the Giants' secondary. Adoree Jackson, Fabian Moreau, their game is predicated on their athleticism and speed. They're not big. They're not physical corners. And Seattle's receivers that would be filling in for 
DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Marquise Goodwin, D. Eskridge. Those are not big body receivers. Eskridge has some has some muscle to him, but he's not tall. None of those guys are tall receivers. They're all under five foot ten. And so you're going to need a big target to emerge with athleticism on the outside. Derek Young at 6'2", 224, he checks off those boxes. And this is a kid that had a really good training camp, catching passes from both quarterbacks, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Smith has the utmost confidence in him. He showed it during camp and in the preseason. I just have a feeling after getting some snaps last week against the Chargers, he's going to make at least one or two big catches in this game. And Seattle is going to game plan a little bit to get his size involved against a pretty small Giants secondary Now, what do the Seahawks have to do to win? They're going to go into this game actually as favorites in most betting outlets, playing at home, winners of two straight, coming off a big win in L.A., going against a 6-1 and team in the Giants. Nick, for the Seahawks to win this game, what do you think needs to happen? Well, we kind of already talked about my first one. Um, Contain Saquon Barkley and just to add a number to that, keep him under 100 yards. The Giants have won games when he's been held under 100. But their one loss, which is still crazy to think about, here we are in late October, and the the New York Football Giants have one loss. Um, Saquon Barkley was held to I think it was 81 yards. So um, keeping him under 100 yards—that's total yards, by the way, not just rushing yards. Total yards, because as we saw and as we mentioned, he is heavily involved in the passing game. So that'll even be tougher because yeah, you can hold him to 60-something rushing yards, but all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's got four catches for 42 yards, and that's 100 yards, and that's enough of an impact, I think. So he makes impacts all over the field, not just between the tackles running the ball. So keep him under 100 total yards um, is a big, big key. And also the, the Giants don't have a great pass rush. And so if you let them start to disrupt the pass game and let it get to Gino, that's a problem um, because they really are not a great pass rush. I know they got Kayvon Thibodeau they're excited about, but um, I believe I saw in pro football reference, he leads the team with like two pressures. I mean, he, he's just – that they've really had a hard time getting consistent pressure on the quarterback and they're actually 23rd in pass rush win rate. So um, keeping Geno Smith upright, getting the ball out of his hand and then obviously containing um, Saquon Barkley in the run and pass game. Dallas, I'm going to digit you in a second, but we do have a real time update. DK Metcalf, Daryl Taylor and Puna Ford are all listed as questionable for Sunday's game. So the Seahawks are not ruling them out at this point. Pete Carroll will be meeting with the media shortly after we finish the show. You can follow me on Twitter, Corbett Smith NFL, for all the updates coming out of the VMAC. But just wanted to get that out there for our listeners. Some breaking news here on our injury report since they didn't release it as early as they usually do. All right, Dallas, for you, for the Seahawks to win this game, I feel like there's going to be a common pattern here. It must sound like a broken record to the audience. I've been, <laughs> I've been saying one position group over and over again, and I'm going to have to stick with it. The tight ends are going to need to dominate. The Seahawks will win if they get 65 yards and a touchdown from their tight end group. The Seahawks, I don't know how much more I got to say. The Giants' weak point in their defense, as Nick said, their pass rush win rate is one of the lowest in the league and their linebackers are really weak in coverage. It's not very complicated. Stay out of third and long. That's when they're going to bring their pressures. That's when they bring six, seven guys on the blitz, and it becomes a lot harder to block that team when there's a lot more men coming at you. That's when the offensive line could get into trouble. The tight ends are going to be huge in staying out of that. Stay on track on first down, second down, consistent yardage. That will stay keep you out of those bad situations and let Geno 
and Kenneth Walker potentially pick up a lot of third downs. Yeah, staying out of those third and long situations is critical, especially against a team that's as aggressive, and the tight ends could be a big part of that given the matchup that they've got here. I'm not looking at specific players here. There's one thing that stands out to me from last week, seeing the Seahawks' ability to put together that 10-minute drive, and I'm not asking them to consistently do that, but to be able to hold on to the football against a team that's given up 5.7 yards per carry for me. They need to lead the time of possession battle by five or more minutes because not only does that mean that you are having success sustaining drives, wearing down the opponent, but in this case, the Giants, their offense is not an explosive-based offense. They are not a team that's going to rip off a bunch of 30-, 40-yard plays. They get uh, systematic, sustained drives with their run game where they are methodical. Take them out of that by – taking care of the football, holding on to the football, keeping it out of the Giants' hands so they can't run the ball and wear your defense down and win the turnover margin. I think you can still make Daniel Jones unle- unleash some really poor throws if you can get some pressures on him, as long as you contain him and he doesn't get outside the pocket. And I think this is a team that you might be able to get a fumble force from their receivers as well. Again, they're down to like their fourth, fifth, and sixth string wide receivers. There will be chances to punch the football out. So I think you win the turnover margin and you hold on to the football, win the time possession battle by five or more minutes, make sure that Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones aren't in the field so they can wear you down with this run game. I think if you check off those two things, you have a really good chance to not just win this game, but dominate this football game. Real quick, guys, before we check out here on Blue Friday, as always, we got to dish out our weekly predictions. Nick, are the Seahawks going to win three straight, or are the Giants going to stay hot and uh, maybe pull what some would view as a slight upset at Lumen Field? Man, I went back and forth. I thought about going with the Giants just because to avoid, you know, the college game day, all the teams in a row. Um, and that usually doesn't turn out well if everyone picks the same. I don't know what you guys are doing, but I'm assuming maybe Seahawks. But I'm going to go, not only will the Seahawks win 24-21, but I think this is a game where you know, you've got a really talented running back out on the other side. Um, some similarities between the two teams. Um, I'm, I'm going to call overtime. I'm calling overtime here. Seahawks. You know, Jason Myers gets the last uh, uh, overtime field goal, seals the win. Lumen field goes nuts in overtime. All right, Dallas, where are you standing on this matchup? I didn't even think about that, Nick, but that does actually happen when all of the all of like the people pick the same team. It normally does end up bad, <laughs> but I'm gonna have to risk it. I got the Seahawks winning 27 to 23. I think the Seahawks are gonna come out and they're gonna show everyone this offense is for real. This defense by the Giants is not going to be able to stop them. And I think the, they're going to have success stopping the run game. Saquon, as good as he is, the Seahawks know that he's the one focus that they need to stop. So I think Pete Carroll and Clint Hurt are going to definitely put up their best game plan and stop Saquon this past, or this coming week. All right, I'm going to go with what you guys said we shouldn't do here. I'm picking the Seahawks, so all three of us are picking. But I'm going to go out into left field again like I've been doing this entire episode. And I I truly believe this. And if the Giants prove me wrong, then I will gladly eat crow. I do not think this is a good 6-1 and one football team. So I think the Seahawks are going to be able to run down their throat. I think that Geno Smith's going to be able to get some balls downfield, even if DK doesn't play. I think they're going to be able to get some matchups they like. And I think that this is an offense for the Giants that is way too one-dimensional. The Seahawks, the way they're playing defensively, I like this matchup for him. And I have great respect for Saquon Barkley. He's a stud. But he's not going to be able to shoulder the entire load. And the Seahawks are going to force 
Daniel Jones to win this game. I just don't trust him to do that, particularly on the road. I'm going 34-17 Seahawks. I think this game maybe is close early, and the Giants are able to get a few punches in. I just think the Seahawks are the better football team. I think they're the more complete football team. I think overall they're the healthier football team, and I just think they can do more on offense than what the Giants can. So I'm going to go with a blowout, and maybe I'll get proven wrong here, but you know, somebody's got to take risks here. I just think Seattle's got a really good match. One overtime, one blowout. And then one of the As always, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. Thanks as always to the 12s for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. I will have our weekly postcast coming a few hours after Sunday's game between the Seahawks and Giants. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Friday and weekend. Go Hawks.